fetch your earbuds, and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Because it's a dog's life with pet and cannabis expert Angela Ardolino. Learn the best holistic practices from top pet industry professionals and listen in on why CBD might be a whole different animal for your best in-show buddy. Here's your new best friend about pets, Angela Ardolino. Hey there, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I'm joined today by Dr. Mark Goldstein, who I'm so excited to talk about. When, when I read your bio first, because of course, before I look at your book, I want to see who you are. Who is this guy who wrote a, a book about animals? Um, it basically was like a dream career. Like if someone told me as a kid that I could do all the things that you've done, I'd have been like, yeah, sign me up for that. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. And I pinch myself every day. I'm now in my 60s and, you know, I, uh, I, I've had the opportunity to have an incredible career. Uh, you know, luck is basically um, opportunity comes and you want to make sure you're prepared for it. And those two Amen. came together a lot in my life. Right. I kind of feel like I'm going through that right about now. Um, I mean, I feel like I've prepared my whole life for what, what I'm doing now because it's basically joining my two path, the things I'm most passionate about together. So I'm sure you've been doing that your entire life because your passion is animals and working with animals, correct? Actually, I, I'd expand it. My passion is people and animals, animals and people. Um, I say that importantly because I think it's an important characteristic for veterinarians I think anyone working in animal welfare, you can care about the animals, but you also have to get along with the people that either care for them or the clients that come in your rooms or the colleagues that you work with. So I actually love people and animals. And that's why I got into this work. Good. So tell me, you knew you knew you had a knack with animals when you were a kid. You liked them. How did you go from that to becoming a vet? Um, I went from mucking stalls during high school to um, then taking care of some beautiful thoroughbreds down in Ocala, Florida. And I learned a lot by watching and listening because if I hadn't done that, you can get hurt easily. Mm -hmm. um, so I learned those skills there. And then as the first chapter in my book talks about Danya the elephant, um, that was probably when I look back in my life, I knew I wanted to be a veterinarian, but I really hadn't had the practical experience. And not to give away the whole book, but the first chapter is about my in, you know, interaction with Danya. She was an elephant. I went on an island to do some work, and I didn't follow the rules. Um, I should have taken, gone over to her, let her greet me. Uh, this was in a big wild safari park. There were nine elephants on the island. She was the dominant matriarch. And um, why I used this experience to say, how did I get to become a veterinarian was because that interaction almost ended my life. I didn't follow the rules. I didn't walk over, let her smell my feet and walk with her, which was what she was used to. I just patted her trunk and said, I had something to get on the island. I'll be real quick. I broke the rules. She picked me up, threw me 30 feet, 20 feet in the air. Um, I broke my arm. I busted up my body. She wasn't really done. This is all in, described in detail in the book. I like your expression. Um, she ran over. And, you know, when people see elephants do headstands like in a circus, which I'm not a proponent of, um, but when they see them do a headstand, that's a natural instinct. The only predators elephants have in the wild besides people are big cats, tigers in Asia, lions in Africa. And if a cat jumps on their back, they throw them to the ground. They put their head on them and they pick up their back feet and squish. She actually ran over, started to come down with her head. I was in shock at this point. 
And I just, some training in the back of my mind went off. You can get her attention by hitting her in the the eye, which I did. And that lifted her head and allowed me to roll off the island into a canal of water uh, with alligators in it. Um, But they went the other way. If they were crocodiles, we wouldn't be laughing right now. Um, Why do I use that example? Because people ask me after that, you know, did they... What did they do to the elephant? Did you put it down? What was wrong with her? There was nothing wrong with Danya. I broke the rules. And the experience, including the two weeks in the hospital and the repair of my arm and the footprint on my back with five toes to know that she was an Asian um, elephant versus an African, I actually came out of that realizing it was my first life lesson, which is how I wrote my book. What life lessons did I learn from each of these interactions? And in that case, it was follow the rules. Animal behavior is predictable. You just need to learn their language. And it convinced me that I wanted to do this more. It was my calling. So that was the pivotal moment. I was in Cornell at that point, at Cornell Undergraduate School. And uh, that's when I confirmed in my, me and myself that this was my calling. I wanted to work with animals and interact with them and help them and play a part in treating them. Amazing. So you, did you have your own practice? Um, I was very fortunate. I graduated Cornell Veterinary School, and I was accepted into an internship program. Some of your listeners might know Angel Memorial in Boston. It's a teaching hospital. It has about 50 veterinarians, and in the 70s and 80s, that was unheard of. Now there's specialty practices all over the country, mm-hmm. uh, but it was Angel AMC in the universities, and I did a uh, 14-month internship there in clinical medicine. I went into private practice for two years as an associate. And then I was lucky enough to go back on staff at Angel, and I was there for another eight years. And that was just, I was working with some of the best veterinarians in the world. I was lucky to be there. My my, um, uh, area of interest was internal medicine and oncology, Um, but we saw everything at Angel. And I also saw the so-called exotic or non-domestic pets because I had all this other field experience working at the zoo, working at Lion Country, working at the safari park. Um, I would see the non-domestic pets that would come through. Again, there's a whole story there. I'm not in favor of most of them because most people don't know what they're getting into when they do it, but at least we want to make sure that they're cared for as much as possible. So that's what I did for 10 years. And then I had either, I say jokingly, in a drunken stupor or a good decision um, when Governor Michael Dukakis was running for governor of Mass- uh, for president, I'm sorry, um, I was asked to be the director of the Boston Zoos. So I you know, it took many months for me to make the decision because I love medicine. I loved practicing, but I realized I could have maybe more of an impact on populations of animals because I believe at the end of the day, animal welfare's strongest suit to advance itself is education, educating the public about what wildlife is all about and how to preserve them with domestic animals. It's how to care for them and be respectful of both. Um, so I felt I could have more of an impact. So I went from the Boston zoos. I then became the director of the Los Angeles zoo. And from there I became, I went through San Francisco SBCA as vice president and then president of the San Diego Humane Society. Wow! So, I, I, I truly have, I've seen clinical medicine. I've seen captive wildlife, which I talk about in the book. Why should we have zoos and aquariums? I actually speak to it and then animal welfare. And I've loved Every place I've been, I've learned from it. I've worked with some of the greatest people in the country. And so you're talking mostly, this book is your experiences working with animals in these places and how, of course, you, I'm sure, taught people things, but it's more about what the experiences and working with animals taught you. 
Yes, very much so. I mean, each, either the people or the um, animals that, you know, for instance, it's called lions and tigers and hamsters. Right. I because love. we've got a Harold the hamster story. Um, that's what I love to tell. And what did I learn from it? Well, Harold the hamster came in in a shoebox with a 10, 12-year-old boy attached. And his mom sat in the corner of the room and I went to open the box. And the first thing he did was put his hand on the top of the box and said, Dr. Goldstein, what do you know about hamsters? And he took control of my room. <laughs> Um, I, I explained it. that I did and we opened it up and here was a tumor I could see or some inflammation process in the back leg. We went through the whole process. I never, what I learned in veterinary medicine is I never prejudged the situation, how the people were dressed. Um, you know, uh, I didn't judge anything. I always made sure or how old they were, how young they were, that we in whatever language or level of um, communication was indicated with a 10-year-old boy versus an adult, I made sure they understood all the options. I didn't assume that some options were not what they would consider. So we talked about euthanizing the little guy, and we talked about let's see each other in three or four weeks because I can tell you now he's not in pain. How can you tell? He's not breathing rapidly. He's not. He's holding his weight. He's eating well. He's responding. So we might have to see each other at a future point and stop, or we could amputate the leg. And to my surprise, this young man turned around to his mom and said, Mom, and I explained the costs at this point. Um, he said, I've been had a, I had a paper route, which most of your listeners may not know what that is anymore, but he had a paper route and he was saying, How young do you think I am? <laughs> I said, your listeners, not you. I don't know who listens. I'm talking to I know I um but um I um he turned to her and said, Mom, I've been saving up for two years to buy a bicycle. I can get that next year. I want to do this. And in a flash of an eye, and you can see it in my eyes, I still get emotional about it. He really taught me the, how important life was over material wealth. A 10-year-old boy in, yeah. a, in a flash. So that's the life lessons I learned. We, By the way, so that people know, we went ahead, we amputated the leg. I actually met his mom in the hall and we made a deal. We didn't charge that much. And she promised to get him a bike for Christmas. Um, but we amputated the leg and unfortunately it came back as a malignancy. But the young man sent me a card six months later with a three-legged hamster driven, drawn on it, you know, by a young, you could tell a, a child and a note inside that said, my little friend passed away last night, but I'm so glad we did what we did. And, and those, that's the kind of lessons I've learned being a veterinarian from in this case, a young man. Um, so that's just an example of one. Yeah, there's nothing better than um, meeting other people who love animals as much as you do. And um, A, makes you feel not as crazy, and B, that they understand. <laughs> <laughs> I gave up feeling, I know I'm crazy. <laughs> Me too. It's much accepted. <laughs> Me too. Um, normal is boring. It's a dog's life. We'll be back once we take our sponsors out for a short walk. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 
garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Stop barking up the wrong tree. We're back with more of It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. So it's... um. It's nice to meet other people who care about animals as much as you do. And you kind of feel like you build a little tribe. Um, and I know you're passionate as much as I am passionate about getting information out so that people can help their animals um, themselves. What are, do you think is the biggest lesson? What do you think people are going to come away from reading your book and go, you know, wow. I mean, that story right there was beautiful. It's, it's, you know, the importance of that hamster is, is how much that little boy loved his hamster. Absolutely. My, my and, hope you know, it something. doesn't matter what it was, if it was his goldfish to a dog to, you know, whatever it was that he loved it and wanted to care for it the best he can. And that's a beautiful thing for a child to understand. I was that way when I was a child and you probably were too. Anytime my animals were injured, Nothing has changed now that I look at myself and as an adult, I would run up to the medicine cabinet and hide and run back outside and doctor my animals. And it was always natural stuff that I was trying to figure out. I just didn't know what I was doing, but I knew I couldn't just leave it or let them suffer. I had to do something about it. My parents knew that I was like you when a fly was in the kitchen and my mom would go after it with a fly swatter and I would turn the lights off. So she, she would get, get so upset. <laughs> yeah, well, my grandpa took me hunting and I don't think I understood what that was. I think I was about eight or nine and we got in his truck and I saw the gun, but I didn't know. And I saw the trucks pulled over and he goes, okay, this is where we are. This is there. This, there's a deer around here because everybody, all the hunters have pulled over in, their, in the woods or whatever. So he's telling me to be quiet and we're sneaking up and he bends and he t- points to where the deer is or the buck is or whatever. And there's hunters all over aiming. And I realize what's about to happen. And I'm like, run! <laughs> okay, you beat me. I needless, love it. Needless to say, I was, was never invited trip. again. <laughs> Good for you. Um, 
That's great. Hush, I love that story. I'm going to repeat that, please, with your permission. Oh, I'd like to absolutely. And I would say there were probably about 25, 30 hunters all, you know. Wow. I've told my fly story a lot, but you just gave me a better one. <laughs> oh, one time I remember walking on the, like a dock or going out into, you know, an ocean somewhere where there was a bunch of fishermen and I was with my parents and we walked down to the end and I remember walking by and watching this guy just catching all these fish and just throwing them and letting them flap and suffer or whatever and I was like if I walk back by there and that those fish are still flapping around suffering I'm dumping them dumping them in the water and I did you did uh-huh. I stayed oh. back and my parents went and I dumped and I put it back and kept on walking and heard the guy go, what the, where's the, and just walk as fast as I could. Yeah. I mean, always doing stuff like that. Ouch. Always for animals. So I, it just, it made no sense to me. I was like, someone's got to look out for them. You know what? Fine. But do they have to sit there and suffer? You know, chop off their damn heads, do something. Why are right. we just Take letting them sit there suffocate? And that is part of the human-animal bond that I speak about. Um, you know, we use this term, and to me, it's domestic animals bring beauty and unconditional love into our life, and our wildlife or our agricultural animals, big utilitarian uses in some people's cases, or they protect our environment. That's what they give us. Right. And what we owe them in return is not what the law just requires, food, water, and shelter, respect and a healthy environment. I love that. Um, and, 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 you know, if you're going to use an animal in a utilitarian manner, like that fisherman, be respectful of their life and don't let them suffer. Right. And, and, and that is just a critical part of the human animal bond. Um, I agree. Uh, one of my, one of my favorite um, pet foods, you know, is I believe it's grade five. So the, uh, I believe where the feet, the, what is it? The meat, how they, process or manufacture or whatever right. that the animals never go in a truck they never see a slaughterhouse they never know that that's what's happening and i mean just that i don't know about you i don't eat meat i don't eat animals so i i know i but my dogs do you know they need it so it's to me i know where it's coming from i've seen the farm i know the people that are involved and i know the animals are being restricted respected and fed the best in their natural environment and roaming and eating grass and dirt and all the things that they're supposed to eat. That's the way it should be. And, you know, we just look at a chicken and how much a chicken Ghost. provides us. Why aren't we treating them like gods? And, and you know, what's interesting, Angela, is we've, we found with domestic or utilitarian animals or wildlife, when we respect them and treat them humanely, the outcome is even better. I know. In other words, if we take the fear, anxiety, and stress out of our pets when they have to go to a veterinarian, which is called Fear Free, Dr. Marty Becker started. Mm -hmm. I would encourage your listeners to take a look at that. Yep. Um, Marty and I are very good friends. So, um, uh, uh, you know, whether it's on domestic animals or if it's with farm animals, if you're going to use them in that fashion, respect them. And you know what's interesting? is what comes back is that the meat is actually better quality. Uh, the animals behave more. It's more economical. So, Positive reinforcement and respect for animals actually produces better results for everybody. Absolutely. I mean, I ask people all the time, you know, what do you want? Do you want to eat, eat an animal that's been tortured and filled with chemicals and bad food? Or do you want one that was running around having its the time of its life eating life. what it's supposed to eat? Yeah, absolutely. I even remember the first time that I've got, I have, I've had chickens for about 10 years now. But the first time that I got them, it was, you know, the 
get the get the backyard chickens phase of was going on the and I remember lots of people getting them and I remember the guy down the street building coops left and right and that's passed and that the moment that their chickens stopped laying eggs you know they had no use for them anymore and you know they get rid of them and I was amazed that it was like a year or two in yeah. and I'm like what that's, my eight-year-old hen is still pumping out an egg every once in a while. So what's the difference? Oh, the difference is mine are running around, having, having, the time of their life. having their time of their life, eating, getting what they need. And that's the big difference. And I'm being paid by still getting wonderful eggs from her, you know, the best organic eggs in the world from her. But I was, very, I was to- very fortunate that Temple Grandin, who some of your listeners might know, endorsed my book. She, oh, if the people don't know their, her work, they should look at it because she's had a definitive, I mean, transformative impact on the agricultural industry doing exactly what you're saying. If it's your choice to use animals like that, right. treat them respectfully. Right. Absolutely. I agree. So where can people find out more information about you and get, get in touch with you or get your wonderful well, book? Um, I heard you're now you're speaking at the Miami Book Fair. Is that true? I am. I, I know you're on the other side of the state. You're welcome to come over. I'd love to meet yes, you in person. Yes, I um, love that. It's a beautiful, one of my favorite shows. I've gone several times. I went a couple years ago to see one of my heroes, Gene Bauer from the Farm Sanctuary. Farm Sanctuary, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, he, was, he released a book and saw him there, so I went down. But that's a wonderful show. When are you going to be there? I'm going I'm to be there um, on Saturday. Um, you know, I don't have the day. It's Saturday the 20th, I believe. I, I need to check that. Um, okay, we'll be sure to put it up. The right date. I think it's November 23rd. I'm sorry. I don't have the exact date, but it's. I know where I'm going to be um, in the central. Uh, yep, it's, it's November 23rd. November 23rd at 3 o'clock wonderful. on Saturday. I'll be speaking. Um, if somebody, one of your listeners is uh, comes, please have them come. I'd love to meet you. Who's awesome. ever Yay. Yeah. Have them come up and introduce themselves. So I'll be there at three o'clock on Saturday. Um, I'll be wandering around the other three days. Yeah. It'll be my first experience, but I've heard great things about it. Oh, it is. It's such a neat there. event and um, it's so well attended. You're going to have a wonderful time. And where can they get your book? My book is available on Amazon. It's Wonderful. available on Barnes and Noble. Um, Goodreads has run a number of reviews on it, but accessing it, Barnes and Noble and Amazon are the two that I'm most familiar with. It's in local bookstores, um, Lions and Tigers and Hamsters. And I, I also say, have you got to tell them the, the name again, Lions and Tigers and Hamsters. And hamsters. Yep. I, I love the name, even though I wrote it in my mind as Life Lessons Learned as a Veterinarian, working with um, Health Communication Inc., who was my publisher and did the Chicken Soup books. Um, you know, together we came up with the title, which I just love. That um, is, it's and, perfect. It, and the subtitle speaks a lot about the book for people. It's, you know, what I learned about life, love, and humanity from large and small animals. Well, I, I love that you've shared those lessons, and we appreciate you so much for coming on the show today. Sure. It's been wonderful. I'd be glad to do them in the future. It's great talking to you. You too. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.